Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we are rolling with the times. It's the slam from our 10th anniversary flagship season, The Decades, held on December 26, 2019 at Jump, our all-ages venue in downtown Boise. During the slam, we randomly drew names, and the select few shared their blast from the past with their stories inspired by the theme, 80s. Let the good times roll. It's story time. Cheryl Wheaton. This is a story about the most amazing thing that was ever done for me, or the garbage dump in Churchill. Now, it all started because my parents, they retired in 1980, and a trip for them on their dairy farm was from 10 in the morning to 6 at night. That was their trip. So when they retired, they were like, let's travel. And they were like, where should we go? And luckily, I had gotten divorced, and I just started a job where I had some money. And I thought, I want to travel. So they looked to me, and they said, we'll go wherever you say, whenever you say. So I thought, okay, let's go up to the Arctic Circle in February. (laughs) I have seen in the Smithsonian that there are polar bears, and there's northern lights up in Churchill. It's up above the Arctic Circle. In February would be really interesting. It would be cold. So they were like, when will we leave? How soon can we pack? So we get the tickets and we're ready to go. And we're going, that was 80s. There were trains from Boise, from the train station. And they went all over the US and they would take us up to uh, Seattle where we could get a train to the Arctic Circle. So. Uh, when we went across to Vancouver. So we were all set. The day came. Now luckily we had planned an extra day in Seattle to see my cousin. So we thought, okay. They, we waited, we were ready. It was eight o'clock in the morning. We wanted to go. Maybe we ought to call the train station. There might be a problem. Well, it was 60 below zero back east and there was a problem. And so the train was delayed. So we like, well, we're packed. The train's delayed. So we were like, okay. So we waited and we waited and we waited. Noon, train's delayed. Three, train's delayed. Five, the train will be here at six. Okay, good. So we get down to the train station, we got our tickets, we get in line. There's only women in this line. Why? Oh, it's for the women's restroom. There isn't any restroom on the train. The only time they can get off to go to the bathroom is at a train station. All the women are in this line. Oh, the men are over there. Okay. So then we just got in the right line to get on the train, and we thought, hmm, okay, well, now we're we're not back east. It'll be fine. Well, we'll be late, but we, you know, we had all this extra day in Seattle, so it'll be okay. We get on the train. It starts. The guys on the interstate are going faster than us. What's going to happen? How are we going to get there? So we roll along and roll along. Oh, come on, hurry up. We've got to get up there. We've got a train to catch in Vancouver. So we get to LeGrand. Okay, we're at LeGrand. It's the middle of the night. Everybody off to the bathroom now. So I go in the bathroom. I hang up my coat. 
have only one coat, we're going up to the Arctic Circle in the winter. The bathroom floor is um, not good. Let's just say the toilet is not working real well. My coat. I don't have another coat. Well, it's on the back of the coat. It's cold. It's too bad. I don't have another coat. It's going to the Arctic Circle. So I get back on the train with my coat. Well, luckily, I don't have to wear it on the train. So we're on the train, and I'm thinking, now what? Why aren't we leaving? Well, the, the uh, engineer and stuff, they can't go for more hours, so we have to wait till they bar get somebody down from Portland to take the train. Are we going to get there? So we roll along very slowly, and we get to Portland. And they were like, okay, well, now we can move. But it's too late. We just can't get there. We can't get there on time. What are we going to do? Oh, I get off the train. I'm, oh, just what am I going to do? I go in. Oh, my gosh, what are we, our trip. We can't. So I go up to the station master. And I say, oh, no, we can't. What are we the train master goes, oh, well, I don't know. And so I, mm. suddenly he says, get off the train. Get your luggage off the train. Go to the conductor. Get it off. And my mom, who was in the train, was going, get off the train. What? 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 And so she tries to collect her stuff. And we get off the train. We're standing on the, on the uh, platform. And here comes the conductor. And he says, ma'am, you forgot your, boot, your, your, pit, your slippers. And as the train pulls out, he throws the slippers down onto the platform. And he says, have a nice trip. And so we thought, now what? And the station master said, hurry up. I got a taxi waiting. I've got tickets here for you to fly to Vancouver to catch your train. What? And that was the beginning, just the beginning of the odyssey of our trip to the Arctic Circle in February. Now maybe another day I might come and give you the second part and the third part. Thank you. Lucas, come on up. We're going to hear a story of the 80s. Well, hello, folks. Happy holidays. I, uh, I'm here with some of my family, and this is starting out to be an annual event, kind of a tradition. And uh, I was thinking about traditions this year, and <laughs> what, <laughs> what, uh, what traditions, you know, I've had in my past and, and shared with family and friends, and then what traditions you know, we, we are going to make from this point forward. And um, that has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell, but I figured it would be a good inter introduction. So in the 80s, um, we lived out a canyon in Haley, Idaho, called Indian Creek. Some of you may be familiar. We lived out there when the road was dirt. There was no pavement. I think we were the seventh house that got built out in Indian Creek. And it was kind of cool, you know, in the wintertime, there was like a cross-country ski track down our backyard, and there was a pond there that we go and play in all the time, you know. Um, when we got older and got bikes, you know, we'd ride our bikes all around. And, and well, we had different neighbors across the street when there was a, a house there. And some of the neighbors were kind of nice, you know, fair people. And there was this one period where it, there were a number of folks there. I don't know if they were a family or just some people living there but they had a, a family of Dobermans that were just kind of on the property. And the mom was 
real. And the dad was kind of nice. Like he was, you know, he was kind of like a good, big, really big Doberman. Um, and the two pups were very active. They wanted to play. They were always running around. And, you know, we kids playing with a pup like that, it was like, you know, being attacked. So we, uh, we couldn't really go outside a lot for a while. Um, and, you know, my mom tried calling the police and getting the city involved, but we were out of city limits. So we couldn't, you know, we couldn't, they didn't do anything. Um, so it was just us. We had to kind of figure it out. So each morning when, uh, when we would get ready, you know, for school and mom get ready for work to leave the house, we would, uh, we would go through this routine. You know, we've had breakfast and cleaning it up and, and uh, you know, all right, go get your backpacks. Let's make sure we've got your lunches. We do that. And mom would put a pot on the stove, turn it on high to boil. We'd gather our stuff, you know, and make sure already, okay, here we go. And uh, she would open the sliding glass door go get the, uh, the pot of water, and the two pups would every day be rah, 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 right at the door. She'd throw the water out on the dogs, and they'd run away because, you know, it hurt. And <laughs> she'd then go to the, the separate garage, you know, separate from the house, so maybe like, I don't know, 15 yards. She'd run across to the door, go in there, start the car, back it up to the front door. It was kind of a covered porch little thing to the front door. And she'd open the back hatch. It was a Subaru because you know, Subarus are awesome. And... <laughs> Then the kids would run out and climb over the back seat into our seats and she'd shut the, shut the door and, you know, drive. We'd go to, go to school and she'd go to work. And this was, this was every day. I mean, this was just the routine for a while, you know. Um, sometimes on the weekends, mom would go get the gun stock that dad was working on. The gun didn't work at all. She'd stand outside, I'm going to shoot your dogs if you don't get out, you know. And the neighbors would be out there, yeah, do it, lady. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was kind of a rough, rough period. But we had the last laugh. There was a cat that, uh, there was like a litter of cats and it happened and we got to pick one, you know. Um, my brothers got run over by a car. My sisters probably got eaten by a badger, I don't know. Um, and mine made it through and he was a black cat. His name was Fathead. Cause he was the one with the bigger head of the other black cat that was in the litter. And, and my slightly alcoholic father's idea was name it Fathead and you know, it kind of stuck. Well, Fathead was a really, really, he was a, he was a cat's cat. Like he was, he was, <laughs> he would come back and we'd find weasel, you know, and mice on the front porch. You know, he's, he's doing his part to pay rent. You know, <laughs> I, I watched him actually one time jump and like take a bird out of midair. Like it was just, eh, whatever, you know. So one day we're sitting inside and we'd, you know, as kids, we'd watch the dogs play. Like that was us playing. Oh, look at who's going over there. Oh, yeah. It'd be fun to be out there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and we see Fathead like coming out of the property, you know, and he'd just go do his own thing. Totally an outside cat. And you see Fathead coming up like, what the? These two dogs doing in my yard? Like, this is not going to happen. Fathead walks up to him. Dogs are barking, jump. You know, Arr! Fathead jumps, lands on the back of one of them and just like rides him to the end of the driveway. And then, you know, like jumps off and kind of lands and rolls on the back and flops over just looking at the pups like, hey, try it again. And they, you know, they didn't, at least as far as my kid memory goes, like at that point, the dogs like weren't really a, you know, weren't really a bother to us anymore. So this Christmas, I want to, uh, I want to say thanks, fathead. I miss you, buddy. Thank you. Beth. 
Hi, everybody. Hi, Ruben. We, Ruben and I, true story, uh, we got to walk down the, the aisle together at the St. Alphonsus Festival of Trees Fashion Show several years ago. And Ruben remembered and gave me a big hug earlier tonight, which was really cool. Um, so I was walking past uh, Calvin and Kyle, the K's, or the C's, um, and they were like, tell us your favorite 80s story. And I'm like, I don't remember the 80s. And my husband's like, that's when we met. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so, so I had to come up with an 80s story. Um, I don't know if you've seen the meme out there. There's a meme that says, uh, when I think about 20 years ago, I think about the 80s, and I realized that 20 years ago was almost the next century, which is true. Um, so our story starts in the 80s, and for me, it starts with a fraternity party at Lambda Chi at University of Idaho, and my husband comes up to me and says, he's now my husband, he wasn't then at the time, I was a kid, you know. Uh, he says, hey, remember we met? at Business Week at Boise State University, you know, a couple summers ago, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm a anyway, so I was telling my friend, <laughs> so I was kind of rude, I was really young. A uh, Couple years later, we meet again, uh, still the 80s, and we're, well, actually, was it? It was then, it was the 80s still, 89. Uh, at the Gem of the Mountains, we start dating, uh, and we, but we had met at Business Week in 1987, so that's the point that I didn't remember, obviously. It's all a blur. Um, so we started dating in, in uh, 89, and um, I met his mother that year. I grew up in Boise, and um, he grew up in Stanley, Chalice area, and to me, or to my mother-in-law, I have been the city girl, because Boise, Big city, big city, no, no. Anyway, um, and they, he was a small town. So my mother-in-law, to, um, to her, I have been the delicate flower who was like, you know, like I, I was not raised in the woods or around a lot of boys, and so I, I can't handle things like dirty floors or fart jokes, which I will lean into that when I need to. Um, but I was thinking about that meme, uh, how you know, 20 years ago was the 80s to a lot of us, but it was actually the 90s. But actually, tonight we're here um, with our own 20 years ago, our son Jack, who is uh, today 20, uh, he's over 20, but he was born in 1999, so um, I guess now we have to like reframe what our 20 years ago was, which forever for me it will have been the 80s, but it's, it's actually um, Jack, who <laughs> is 20, and he was born in 1999, so that's our 80s story. Thank you very much. Kiri Gardner. I was born in <laughs> at home on a waterbed um, <laughs> with a lot of my family around, including my older brother, who was maybe three. <laughs> my family 
was my mom who had six other siblings. My dad had seven other siblings. So it was a big family. And both my mother and my father and their many siblings decided that they were going to not go the Catholic route and go the hippie route. So they formed a family band. And many people ask if I was in the band. I was not. But we did have, when I was young, a large metro bus that was gutted on the inside and filled with bunk beds and a stove and a sink. And the family band would travel around to different festivals and such. The highlight, maybe, was that uh, my parents opened for the Jerry Garcia Band. Yeah. <laughs> Go Clan Dyken. OK. Uh, so this huge Metro bus went on a tour in 1992, the Nobody for President tour. That, uh, yeah, because it was a presidential election year. Anyway, so we drove from California all the way to DC where my family decided to protest on the steps of Wall Street. But they are also involved with the hippie bus, the hippie band, the hippie family. A peace pole, of course. Why wouldn't you have a peace pole? It was a large pole that when you were a child, if you were lucky, you got to put the crystal in the top of the peace pole. And everybody stood around the peace pole and they did a big ohm and then they went on stage and performed. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the big metro bus is in New York City and the peace pole rode on top of the bus and we are driving and getting stuck in big New York traffic. I don't know what bridge we were on, but we were on a big bridge that did not, was not quite big enough for the clearance of our bus big and the peace pole. So traffic is coming in around us. My dad, who is driving the bus, cannot exit in any way. We're going for the bridge. He knows what's going to happen. We get to the bridge and we slam to a stop because the peace pole is wedged between the trusses of the bridge and the bus. And we have a bunch of New York traffic that is very angry. They are not feeling the peace and love around the peace pole that is stuck to the top of the bus. Honking, yelling, screaming, which means sirens in the background for the police. You are not allowed to stop traffic on a large bridge in New York. So all the hippies bail out of the bus. They scramble on top of the bus and they start slamming the peace pole as violently as possible. This is not good for the peace pole. It flies off the bus and it tumbles over the bridge and it lands in whatever water was under whatever bridge we were on in New York. I was too young to remember. I don't remember. And there went the peace pole and a big part of my childhood and my crazy family is still near and dear to my heart. But, and they are very still much hippies. And there are only three members of the band now. There used to be seven. That's my story. Hey Cheryl, are you? All right, here comes. We've never done this before. It's part two. You can see how it started, and so we get up to Vancouver, and it's we're there in time at the train station, 
and my mom, you know, the poor thing. Anyway, she has the luggage, and we go and we ask, where can we change our money? And they say, well, at the bank. And it's only six blocks. Okay, we've got plenty of time to walk six blocks. We walk and we walk. Where's a block? Oh, there's a block. We walk and we walk. There's a block. My grief. Finally, we get to the bank, and then we're like, uh-oh. We got to go back. So we hustle back, and we hustle back, and we get, I don't know what the Canadians did, but they made their blocks really long. I mean, six blocks in Boise, you know. But anyway, so we make it back, and my mom is like, they're getting on the train. What am I supposed to do? I got the luggage, and I'll now I find So we get on the train. Okay, it's all right. Now we've made it, right? We're on the train. And it was wonderful, and we went through the mountains, and it was so great. And then we had to change trains. And where did we change trains? It was in Minnesota, but I can't remember just where right now. Anyway, the train went north. So we got off the train. We thought, okay, we've got it. We're going to stay overnight here in this, and we're going to wash our clothes. And, of course, the coat, I couldn't really wash that. But Anyway, so we start off. We're going to go, where is a place we can wash our clothes? It's just down the street. Okay, so we go out of the hotel. We got our clothes. We got them in plastic bags. And so we go and we go. Well, there's a mall. We'll try that. So we go in the mall and we look and we look. And pretty soon I look back and I'm like, that's my underwear. There's a whole bag. My underwear is all over. So we had to go back and collect our clothes. And now it's getting really late. I think we better go back to the motel while we didn't get our clothes washed. But you know, they matched my coat. So then we finally get on our train to go north, and we're like, we're going to the Arctic Circle. And my dad was so excited. It's going to be really, really cold. I really can't wait. And it was not very much uh, uh, <clears throat> built up there. The little Indian towns were pretty small. And we'd get, stop and get off once in a while if we wanted to. And it was so cold. And my dad would get out, and he'd go, There's a lot of ice under there. I wonder how they can even get the train to go. Now listen, in Canada, one thing, they know about cold. And it was warm on the train, but it was cold outside. And so we were, were really enjoying it. And this, the, the trees got littler and littler and littler, kind of like they do when you go up in the alpine area and it gets above the tree line, because it was colder and colder and colder. And so we went down and we thought, oh, let's go down to the club car. So we go in, we order iced tea. And the guy was like, I, I don't understand iced tea. I don't even know what that means. We said, bring me a glass of ice and make us some tea. And so we brought the ice and put it over there. And he was like, oh, God, who are these people? And so then a man comes up and he sees us and he says, I've heard about you guys. You're the Americans. And <laughs> yes. And you're going up to, the, to Churchill. Yeah, in February. Yeah. Why? And I said, well, I read in the Smithsonian. They have a garbage dump out there, and it's really been a mess because the polar bears are coming into town, and they walk all over the town. And it's, you know, we want to see them. I mean, we could go up there and stay overnight, and we could see polar bears. It's going to be really fun. And I've heard about the Northern Lights. And you know, once down here in Idaho, they had Northern Lights, so you could actually see them. If you were really careful and you went out, you 
could see just a little bit. I thought, wouldn't it be great to really see them? So we're going up to the North Pole, and we're going to see the Northern Lights, and we're going to see the polar bears, and we're going to have fun. And he looks at me like, um, well, there's a thing about polar bears. You know, they come out of their dens in the fall. And they go through Churchill in the fall. And then they go out on the ice to fish and, and, for, and, and look for walruses and whatever they're trying to get, and seals. And then they come back in the spring, and they go through Churchill, and then they go back to their dens. In the middle of the winter, there are no polar bears in Churchill. And you know, there's something weird about the Northern Lights. They're really good in the fall. <laughs> and they're pretty good in the spring. But you'll hardly see any Northern Lights in the winter, and especially not in February. Oh, hmm. I guess I didn't read that part of the article. <laughs> so we think, oh, well, we're going to go. We're going to do this anyway. And it's cold, and we're going to have a good time. So we get up to Churchill. And they're like, and we're like, well, now how are we going to walk around here? It's not too good. Well, this guy comes in a bus. And he says, everybody get on the bus. And so we drive on the bus, and he takes us to town. And the town was one big building. And it had the school, and it had a hockey rink, and it had the hospital, and it had stores, and it was like a big mall. And so we're like, Wow, this is really interesting. Well, now, the way we had it planned, we actually weren't going to stay overnight. We were just going to come in in the morning, stay all day, see the polar bears and the lights, and leave in the evening. <laughs> and so we were like, OK, well, we, we, here we are. There's the town, you know. Now, there was the old town that there were stores, and we could walk around. So when it was really warm in the afternoon, probably zero, we came and we walked through the town. And so we looked around. And I looked out there. And of course, it was the uh, Baffin Bay. And it was totally iced over. So I thought, maybe I could walk out there and get a picture standing on the ice. And then my body said, you could die. You will die. If you go out there, you will die. And I was like, I guess I don't need that picture. So. We had a good time. We bought some trinkets to bring home. We got on the train. We came back without any trouble in our uh, dirty clothes. And then in, Ban in Vancouver, we made sure to take a bus to the zoo, and we saw polar bears. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Story Story Night receives support from the Boise Arts and History Department and is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsors, Boise State Public Radio and Radio Boise, our season sponsor, Pettit Realty Group, and our show sponsor, Apple Plumbing. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello, and our musical guest was DJ Grant Olson. Support this storied program, get tickets to our live show, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Night. 
Also, check out our YouTube channel at Story Story Boise. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story. Thank you.